Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Child Care, aka the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, the podcast of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Cindy Croft, Executive Director, and I'm here with Priscilla Weigel, the Assistant Director. Hi, Priscilla. Hi, Cindy. For those who are listening uh, to this podcast, we thought we would talk about the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, as it pertains to child care, and this may be one that we um, continue in another podcast because there's a lot of questions and and information that um, might not be readily available to those of you who are working in early childhood. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really helpful for the listeners. Great. Um, Before we start, we probably need to do a legal disclaimer. Neither one of us are attorneys. (laughs) Correct. Correct. (laughs) And um, we're really talking about attitudes about the the law more than um, actual case law. We're not interpreting the law. Mm -hmm. That's the um, work of judges. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're really just talking about um, what we know about the ADA and what we know that has come from legal sources uh, and has been posted through the Americans with Disabilities government website. Great. That's helpful. So if anyone has questions, uh, as they listen to this, or once it's over, or they go back into their work and, and they're thinking about things, um, they certainly can um, access the ADA hotline, and um, that number uh, is, uh, can be accessed through, again, ADA.gov. Um, there's a, uh, a hotline that is um, manned by professionals who know a lot about the law. And so that's probably the best resource for any questions that really would pertain to legal matters. So we thought we'd start by just talking about what the Americans with Disabilities Act is. And it really came into, um, it it became law in 1990, was fully enacted in 1992. Mm -hmm. So it's been around a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's surprising how many people working in early childhood still kind of have maybe not as much information as we would hope about it. Very true. And and sometimes I think that it can cause some challenges because for families who don't know what their rights are in a child care setting and also a provider who doesn't even realize what they don't know. They don't right. realize that they might be doing something that they truly can't do. And so being aware of the guidelines and what's set out in this really important law is helpful to children and individuals and because you care for children you should know these things. Right and it's actually I've always thought it's very empowering to early childhood because it's a law that includes early childhood. Mm -hmm. It's not like we aren't part of this huge civil rights law. In fact we are. Now it is a big law and it has a lot to do with employment and it has a lot to do with communication and government Mm -hmm. but a very small part of it it pertains to child care because child care is what the law refers to as a public accommodation because child care programs, whether they're child care centers, whether they're nonprofit, whether they're for profit, whether they're a standalone mom and pop sort of small child care center, or whether they are a national chain, whether they are um, 
you know, part of a university, whatever the process is, they're considered a public accommodation because they're open to the public for business. Mm -hmm. Um, The only real exception to that is uh, child care programs that are operated by a religious entity, a church. Mm -hmm. Not housed in a church, but actually operated by a church. Mm -hmm. And you should really check with your state's human rights laws because, for instance, in Minnesota, the Minnesota Human Rights Act still has the same civil rights protection for children or 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 uh, people with disabilities in child care programs that are operated by um, religious entities. So every state has a different kind of, depending on what your laws say, take on that as well. Mm-hmm. Really helpful information, I think, too, what you said, Cindy, about the fact that it's a business and it's open mm-hmm. to the public. And that's something that you've reminded our coaching team of that, to also share that information with providers that they're working with, too that they have to follow these guidelines. And it's important that people understand that this is a civil rights law, so it protects the rights of children and families to the the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. And a lot of it's about access Mm -hmm. and prevention of discrimination. Um, But it's really, it's no one's intent to be um, punitive or prescriptive in a way that keeps anyone from going into the child care business or putting somebody out of the child care business. One of the phrases that you hear often when you uh, read about or hear other people talking about the ADA, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act, is that the, uh, the Department of Justice, which oversees the law, which enforces the law, really looks for what they call a good faith effort. Mm-hmm. And that just means, you know, what, what, what is behind your actions as a child care program. And that's really at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there, nobody's out to really trap somebody or get somebody into trouble. But there are practices that we will talk about in another uh, podcast that, that can't, could be seen as discriminatory um, if we weren't, aren't careful in how we write policies or how we talk to parents at enrollment. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that we're just knowledgeable. I agree. I agree, Cindy. And I think, you know, even just t- talking about the fact that, you know, who are the individuals that are protected under this law and, and laying that out in a little clearer way for mm-hmm. those who are listening will be helpful, the helpful first step in the right direction. Well, of course, we're thinking about children because children are enrolled in child care programs. It could also pertain to a family member of the child who has a disability, if that would in any way interfere with the child being enrolled. But for the most part, we're probably looking at children with um, disabilities. And the ADA differs from other disability law in that it has a very broad definition of disability. So, for instance, one of the ways that it describes or defines disability is um, a substantial um, uh, substantial limitation in one of the life functions. And then they, they d- the ADA lists what those life functions are. So it could be something like walking, it could be hearing, one of the life functions is speaking, self-care is a life function. So you can check uh, under the law and um, see if there have been additions to those um, what is considered a life function. So a child doesn't have to have an assessment Mm -hmm. by a school district or uh, necessarily um, 
a medical diagnosis, but if if they have that limitation. So it's a very broad definition mm -hmm. of how we see disability. And there are also a couple of other ways the ADA defines disability that make it a much broader law as well. It could be that um, a person or a child is regarded or perceived to have a disability or that they have a history of a disability or a misclassification of a disorder. So either one of those ways, for instance, somebody might think a child, and I think you and I could attest to this, um, where a teacher might say, I know that child has ADHD. That's mm -hmm. my ADHD child. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe the child has never been formally assessed, mm -hmm. but he's very active and has some of those characteristics that could be associated with ADHD. Well, if you are going to um, name a child as an a your ADHD child, which of course is not person-first language, correct, um, and then decide that that child is going to be expelled based on their high activity level, then you could be um, regarding that child as having a disability mm -hmm. and then discriminating against them, even though actually they didn't even have any kind of diagnosis. Yeah. So that's where that one is very broad and mm -hmm. something we need to think about. Right, and really interesting and common, I think, in a lot of cases that just, or saying the same thing about a child who's on the spectrum. We hear mm -hmm. that a lot. Yeah. I think that child is on the spectrum, but the child hasn't had you know any evaluation done mm -hmm. or no diagnosis. The child's not on an IEP, but the fact that their behaviors are creating these red flags and you're labeling it as something that's a diagnosable special need might affect how you care for that child and also you may some in some cases they children have been expelled based on some of those behaviors right and you know we this goes to something that we believe strongly at the center for inclusive child care and that is we don't label children. I mean, they we're not the diagnosticians Correct. in the child care programs. Mm -hmm. There are professionals who diagnose. And um, so it's not up to the teacher to decide what a child has. Mm -hmm. And even when a child does come with an assessed label or a diagnosis that's medical, and when I say label, I'm referring to that categorical label under... Um, disability, educational disability law, even with that label, that's not how we refer to that Correct. Child. Yeah. It's just part of who they are. It's just a facet of their personality and their learning styles and all of those things. They're a child first, and so we always want to, so it's a little commercial for child first language. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm sure that those who are listening understand that. Yeah. So this is kind of just a primer on what the ADA is and that it, and letting people who are listening know that the Americans with Disabilities Act does cover early childhood programs, family child care programs, and that people need to know about the law because they could inadvertently be discriminating against a child or a family, mm -hmm. and there are um, consequences. Mm -hmm. Again, as I said a little bit ago, the, um, the Department of Justice investigates what, is, what are called complaints. So the ADA is a complaint-driven law. And um, that we don't want that. Mm -mm. We don't want it for a number of reasons. We want children to be cared for in inclusive settings mm -hmm. with developmentally appropriate practices. 
And we want providers to be aware of what their obligations and responsibilities are mm -hmm. as professional business owners True. under the law. And so we're going to hopefully give um, a few tips in another podcast about this. But if people have questions, they can email us through info at Center for Inclusive Child Care, uh, anywhere from our website. Sure. There are lots of places they can click and mm -hmm. um, email us or go directly to ada.gov mm -hmm. and look around and, and email or call from there. Yeah, they have great resources and tools and that's a, a great place to start. And I'm looking forward to further conversation about this, Cindy. Thank you. And you know, on our website as well, we have a lot of resources yes, we do. Uh, specific to child care mm -hmm. around the Americans with Disabilities Act. So I would encourage people to visit um, inclusivechildcare.org too for more information. So great. Thank you, Priscilla. Thanks, Cindy. That's all for now. See you next time.